0: If you are a clinical director or a practice manager and your to-do list is growing by the minute and you could do with an extra pair of hands to support you to roll out your network based contracts and projects, I would love to help you. We also provide consultancy and coaching advice to healthcare business owners and clinical leads looking to take the next step in their career or their business come and check us out at www.thcprimarycare.co.uk. Hi, and welcome to the Business of Healthcare podcast. Thank you either for coming back or welcome if this is your first time listening. Now... I've had to re record this intro so many times because I can't stop smiling because I absolutely love the interview. Saran is the co founder of Enrich My Care, serial entrepreneur, and for his day job, it's a significant one, he is an extended scope pediatric physiotherapist. And I could have just talked to him for hours. Enrich My Care is a technology and platform which links parents, carers, and multiple agency and healthcare providers to support the needs of children living with disabilities. So we talk about how this business came to be, what is required to help this business grow, the importance of relationships when introducing tech, we talk about the sales cycle, or the developing sales cycle with Enrich My Care, managing a business whilst still being a clinician. And Saran also asked me a question, which I was not prepared for kind of asked me why I started the podcast, and we had a good chin wag about our MBA experience. I just count myself so lucky I get to do this. And all of these episodes in one shape or another is designed to inspire you, designed to motivate you, designed to give you a greater insight into the field of healthcare and what goes on behind the scenes for you to get to know some of the leaders that you only see online. And maybe you feel like, I would love to know a little bit more about them. This is the place, my friends, <laughs> enjoy. If you like what you hear, I would love it if you gave us an iTunes rating and review. If you've got any ideas for guests, just hit me up on LinkedIn. And without further ado, let's jump into this week's episode. Hi, Saran. How are you doing?
1: Not too bad. Thank you. How are you doing?
0: Yeah, I'm really good. Thank you for joining me today on the podcast. So we're going to jump straight in. I said to you like, how are you just before we uh, started? And you said it's been a hectic few weeks since we last spoke. So what has been going on? And could you share what you do?
1: Right. Okay, so let me start with what I do. I'm the uh, founder of Enrich My Care. Enrich My Care is a personal health, remote monitoring platform for children with disabilities. I'm also a specialist pediatric physiotherapist with over 20 years of experience working within the NHS, working very closely with these children therefore. Enrich My Care is a product, uh, a solution for uh, improving the lives of these children. People like me, having worked in this area, have been finding lots of frustrations in managing the health care of these children. Therefore, we decided to find a solution that can enhance both the children and families' life as well as improve our own care provision and the outcomes for children.
0: Okay. So what's what's been going on over the last couple of weeks?
1: I mean, coming out of um, uh, sort of various things that we, we have experienced in the last uh, 12 months, nearly now, uh, with the National Health Service, uh, being stretched and with the pandemic and stuff, it's been really challenging for all patient groups. Uh, yes, of course, there are patients and people who have contracted COVID. At the same time, people who have been having treatments, especially long-term conditions, you know, with the likes of uh, patients with cancer and various other problems, they have not been able to access the healthcare that they normally tend to have. Uh, it's It's the same case with the children as well. So it's been uh, hugely challenging for me personally as well as as a health service. So we've been working through the waiting list, working closely with the patients and stuff. Also with enrich my care, um, it's been an exciting last few weeks. We have been shortlisted as the top fifteen startups uh, in a couple of uh, pitching competitions, uh, which is which is wonderful. it has given us, the opportunity and the platform to explain what we do and bring about the awareness and the necessity for such a platform and the solution for these uh, children, as well as we've also managed to get some funding from uh, EU as well, which is for our innovation side of things. So it it is fantastic. And we are marching towards releasing our platform in the next few weeks.
0: So what will this platform actually do?
1: Right. From a children and families perspective, they see more than 15 to 20 different professionals in various hospitals, various health centers, schools, and in their own homes. Um, so they have to follow lots of programs and plans, keep up with various appointments. The child's life is in the same like her peers or so, where they have to attend various appointments. So it's, it's, it's extremely challenging. Families feel They are the messengers of information from one professional to the others. So that's a huge challenge. They feel like there's a constant battle with the system. These are not my words. These are the words of uh, those uh, families, actually. On the other side, people like me, professionals who are working with them, we are also equally frustrated. We keep uh, chasing up for uh, the information, right information at the right place. Uh, We don't still get it. So our treatments are compromised as well as we don't have uh, clear visibility and uh, monitoring op- opportunities to closely follow up these children. That's exactly where uh, we come in through Enrich MyCare. We offer the opportunity through our platform to be able to um, have all the information in a single place so parents can go to one single place to access all the information as well as they can use the platform to populate lots of information, which would be helpful for professionals. And they would find it much more easier to get that targeted information through Enrich MyCare.
0: So is your customer the parents and carers or the hospital?
1: Both, both actually. I think that's where we are quite innovative. We want to make sure children and families uh, are at the center of the entire ecosystem of care for them because it is about their care and they should feel like they have control as well as a clear visibility on the entire treatment planning. And and, And that's exactly what Enrich My Care does. And also the professionals who are working in different settings do have the opportunity to use the platform, benefit from it, as well as The commissioners who pay for these treatments would be able to access very valuable information about the outcomes of these children
0: so which comes first is it the healthcare provider or the parent
1: we have adopted a strategy where we want to start with the parent with the parent so they, they define what they want. And depending on what they want, the care team would be supporting them with children in the middle of, uh, centre of all the care provision.
0: Okay, cool. And what led you to create this product? Because this is not the first, my understanding, of the first kind of business that you have started. So what, why this one and why now?
1: It's a very good question. Yes, this is not the first one. I have uh, I've always been driven to make sure that the healthcare that we offer is as effective as possible. However, not just me, you know, any, any professional uh, who works in the health and care system would say, there's lots of challenges, there's lots of barriers. We need to overcome them in order to effectively deliver our treatment. So it's years of frustration, but at the same time, the key is having been able to impact in the lives of children whom I see day in and day out in my clinical practice. I wanted to impact, uh, have a wider impact, be able to uh, deliver these innovative treatments as well as benefit these children at a larger scale. That's where a digital platform uh, helps us to do that. And and that's a key motivation for me to go down the route of a digital solution for these problems.
0: And how big is your team at the moment?
1: We have a very agile executive team with myself, the founder and the CEO. We have a chief scientific officer, Dr. Krishnan, who is helpful in navigating the primary and community care pathways for us, as well as we have a lead in uh, technology sales. And we uh, have a very skilled uh, team of developers, offshore teams, as well as an on site lead here in the UK.
0: Cool. So when you talk about sales, what hurdles have you, I suppose it's always a constant challenge, but what hurdles can you think of recently that you've had to overcome? Has it been a tough sell?
1: It's definitely, yes. Yes, exactly. And selling within healthcare is extremely challenging. People who have done it would would definitely agree with me. (laughs) Extremely challenging primarily because of the landscape and also the various stakeholders that we have. As you know, patient is uh, the person who receives the treatment, but of course your solution or product is being used by professionals who deliver the treatment as well as you have um, commissioners and managers within the system. And each one of them is driven towards achieving their objectives. Of course, the, the, Sort of global theme is the same. However, again, the priorities are different for each of these stakeholders. So the key is to first understanding what are the priorities for each of the stakeholders, and then pitching uh, the right elements to the right people at the right time. Even then, the sales cycle is much longer than any other industry.
0: How long have you been established for? How long have you been working on this?
1: Enrich my care. Um, over uh, 18 to 20 months now. As I said, this is the second uh, of the uh, ventures. The first one again was a knowledge sharing platform for healthcare professionals. But again, yes, it is. It is not uh, recently. It takes years for no. an idea to to evolve, incubation period, and then you bring it to the market.
0: And then I suppose the net well. Another element is is spotting those trends, so how long is your sales cycle, and you may not necessarily know because it's still quite early on, but it's like when is from the first like "Yes, I'm interested or like "Yes, I'll meet with you <laughs> to they sign on the dotted line. Do you think if parents have the the technology, but the healthcare provider doesn't, what potential challenges? Could you foresee if both parties don't have it at the same time?
1: That's a very good question. Um, I would say a very knowledgeable question as well. For <laughs> landscape. I think uh, I see this as both an opportunity and a challenge. Yeah. Let's start with the opportunity. So the opportunity is when you are able to directly reach the uh, end user, the person who benefits from an uh, a solution. You have. Opportunity to evidence it, to showcase that what you offer as a solution works for the right people. And that then helps you to open some of the doors, especially with organizations, in our case, hospitals, health and care, in the health and care sector, basically. The challenge is, again, though you are able to reach uh, the end user, it's far and few in between because the primary avenue through which you you want to take your product or the solution is through the health and care organizations. Again, that's where because of various bureaucracy, red tape, as we know, it takes time. It takes time for when you take the solution to actually being able to roll out. And then you have to have engagement and buy-in from the end users, the professionals, doctors, nurses, physiotherapists. So that's another challenge in, in itself. Yeah. So hence the cycles are quite longer.
0: Yeah, yeah I suppose from with my pet, well, my my parent hat is always on, but it is a little bit different, but I've got three children. One of those, uh, well, two have got long-term conditions. One is type one diabetes and the other one is nephrotic syndrome. And I asked that question because the relationship is really key. And if both, if the two parties, don't share the same system. If you don't have a good relationship, you're a little bit out of kilter. Because as the parent, I'm feeling I've got. Um, what I say, I we have got um, Omnipod. We're very empowered. We know how we know how to use it, but every now and again, we don't know how to use it. So we can kind of go to the distributor. But if I want to ask my diabetes team, they're not as familiar with it, and but they are familiar with another product. And if you get somebody on the wrong day, it's like, oh, this is why you should have been on this. <laughs> this is why you should have been on that. As a parent, a parent, and I definitely, we've been there. When you go to the hospital, and they say, "Why well, are you here today?" and you're like, the same, the same reason why I was here yesterday. <laughs> like it's the same. Nothing's changed. It can be very empowering, but you do need a good relationship because you can both have the tech, but the problem and the the problems and the barriers can still be there. Like it enables it's not, doesn't replace, or it's not a substitute.
1: Again, that's a, that's a very good point. I can see the practical challenges that you have experienced and have been, um, like, like quite a lot of uh, families and parents whom, whom I speak to as well. I see this as, there are threefold challenges here. The first of the challenges is technology per se, in the field of healthcare is still evolving. We are in the process of setting up standards. We are in the process of having a common denominator against which we can evaluate what works for what client group or patient group. I think work needs to be done in those areas. Luckily, you know, with the, with the recent pandemic as well, there is a sense of urgency. There's a sense of understanding that this is paramount and this is the way forward for us the other challenge here is in terms of um, the providers of those um, uh, you know applications or products or so it's it's understanding what do you have to show us in evidence to ensure that the buy-in is there from the professionals so if you again if there is no clear focus or clear directive on this is what we expect your application or your product or app whatever it is to do for this patient group, then both the buyers as well as the professionals who are using it are not sure. So when parents take something to them, they are unsure of whether that's something that can be reliable for them to use. But uh, I am, I am uh, very hopeful. I am optimistic that things are moving in the right direction. Hopefully in the months or years to come, we, sh- we would be in a position where we all have the ecosystem where we can easily plug and play. We can plug and play and, and the data. See, the key thing for me here is the information and data, right? So as a family, if, if you're able to log those a key information, that would be vital as a clinician for me to manage. And also, I strongly feel it has to be a pull strategy or pull, pull method where users know what they want and that can act as attraction for any product or solution effectively
0: so you're the founder and CEO but you also still see patients
1: absolutely yes absolutely yes i I do have a couple of days of um, uh, clinics that I uh, run at the hospital here in in and um, so it helps me to have a direct patient contact as well as have a the the frontline access which helps us understand what patients want, which can directly be helpful in developing uh, the solution through Enrich My Care.
0: Do you feel you have to keep that clinical practice?
1: Well, I'm a clinician. I've been been working with children for over 20 years. And I don't see myself not doing that even in the future.
0: Okay, so you always have those two hats on.
1: Absolutely. I think I think it, it is complementary. It is definitely complementary. But being an end user and an innovator, if you're the same person, you are able to address the gap. There's always that that gap of innovation uh, is happening, but not necessarily it's the right innovation for the right uh, needs and users. But if you can bridge that gap, that would be really.
0: But do you ever find yourself in a situation where because you are the innovator and the end user, do you not think you would be blinded by your own need?
1: Absolutely right. That's a very good question. That's a very good point, actually. In fact, um, yes, there's always going to be that bias, right? In terms of uh, assuming that this is a challenge for everyone. Again, that's where we do have... Tools. We we use the right tools to validate, to ensure that we have good customer discovery process, not necessarily one or two people. It's it's understanding the point of view and the challenges of a varied number of people. We undertake um, in-depth interviews, focus groups, and try our best to ensure that we have the right validation from the market, from the user and not just go with hunches
0: <laughs> and how big is the market how many patients are there how many children are there out there living with disabilities
1: Again, okay, no, a very very good question um, in the UK itself um, we do have around 800,000 children with disabilities uh, who are under 16 again it's a wide range, uh, right, from children with very complex disabilities in a particular clinical condition, like cerebral palsy, which is 30,000. Autism, we have nearly 100,000 children with autism, um, and we have other degenerative conditions, around 30 to 35,000 children. And there's a range of children with uh, learning disabilities across the spectrum. Um, so so that's, that's the UK context. If you look at worldwide, you are talking about around 93 million children um, uh, who are under the age of 16 with some form of disabilities and 93 billion families. We're talking about who have
0: to. Yeah, this sounds like like a, a really heartless question. But when you started to pursue this, did you have, were you thinking at the outset, this is a business, the market is huge, the need is there? Or was the business side secondary?
1: The honest answer is no. I didn't think of the potential of the market. But what I was very sure of is this is a problem. This is a problem not for one family or one professional. This is a problem that's universal across these patient groups and across various professionals, right from doctors, nurses, and therapists who are dealing with these children. I know that. And and I jumped into it, probably quite naively initially thinking that you can boil the ocean, you can change the world. But I think as an entrepreneur, you need to have that. As long as you have perseverance, mm-hmm. um, as long as you have the focus, I'm sure the combination of a bit of naivety and perseverance would be much better than knowing everything which might deter you from jumping into doing things.
0: So you've just said, uh, you know, this is worldwide. Who or what is missing from your team to help you achieve the growth that is required to help service um, all those families?
1: Okay, very good question here, which is which is quite timely as well, um, because this is exactly what uh, we are dealing with now. We are embarking on this journey. The journey is very real now. There is a potential solution that can change the lives of these children. We are looking for the right team of investors, the right team who have the belief in us, as well as have the vision that we can share to move forward. That's the first of the team that we're looking for. And of course, we need to make sure we have the right team, team with skills and abilities who can sort of take this product worldwide, both in the context of UK and Europe and of course, US and other parts of the world.
0: I've, I mean, lots of people know, you speak to investors and they will say, yes, we're invested in the idea and its scalability and margin and all of that stuff, but they're also invested in you as the founder. So why would I, if I was sitting on a few billion, why would I invest in you? What, are you, what is it about you that's gonna give me the confidence to say, do you know what, I'm in, let's go.
1: Thank you for the question. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm preparing here for my <laughs> session with the potential investor here. Well, you're right. You're right that in a very early stage startup, it's the founder, founder's vision, founding team that makes all the difference. The question of why me? Well, I've invested the best part of 20 years of my life working with these families in various parts of the world, having had a deeper understanding of their problems and challenges and having been in a position where I can deliver uh, the treatments and solutions from my setting, I feel that understanding is very important initially because you need to make sure what value you're offering through your, um, uh, through your solution. And once you get the value right, we can build layers of other value streams around that. And also, more, more importantly, being a practitioner, you have the perspective of what the patient wants, what the patient wants, as well as having done this before in other channels. This helps me to understand how, what makes it successful? What do you need to do to make this a successful venture? I think that's where uh, the recent journey with business schools as well as the uh, accelerators and incubators where I've been part of have been very helpful in building those skills.
0: Are are there any other products on the market that that are similar?
1: Um, I would not say there is no other product. (laughs) Definitely there are products that are out there in the market, but the key difference here is those are not designed to meet the needs and challenges of this cohort of uh, children and families with disabilities. I think that's where we come in. Uh, This is a bespoke solution, which has got various uh, sort of workflows and uh, various uh, solutions that does help with addressing all these challenges that, that they face. Some of the products that are out there do help with collating information, offering it uh, from a single platform, but not necessarily helping to manage the condition day in and day out, both by parents as well as by professionals.
0: Okay. So you mentioned, um, you know, like you're still practicing, you've got this business, like life is busy. How do you make sure you look after yourself? So you don't, you know, like you don't go crazy, you don't burn out because it's nonstop. And it sounds like you're in a very, very busy phase of your business.
1: Absolutely right. I keep asking these questions to myself to make sure that, um, yes, uh, I think, um, you know, a good night's sleep is so important. But you always have twenty things outstanding in your list of things to be done for that day. And in a startup's life, if you ask when should you have to do this, it would say yesterday. Mm-hmm. Right. So there's timing. Timing is so important. I think that's where the key is having a good good lifestyle, understanding yourself what, what works for you, what recharges you, how you can make sure you can sustain certain level of performance. You're absolutely right. You can do a couple of months of real hard work to push things forward. But if you can't continue with that, then it, it would be extremely difficult. So yeah, sustaining that is very important. I would say lifestyle practices is the key, as well as having the right people supporting you. Delegating is very important as well. That's why building a right team around you is so important. And as a founder, that's a key task. The number one task is identifying the right people to carry out this because you cannot do on your own. You need to have a team around.
0: And do you practice that? Do you delegate?
1: I try my best.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It It is hard. Why? Why is it so hard to delegate? I mean, I'm asking myself the same question. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, think, I think you have a vision, you
1: have an understanding of how certain things need to be done. And it's not easy for others to probably sometimes emulate it or meet uh, those standards sometimes. But I think that's where uh, it's a journey as well. Um, which is what we are doing at Enrich My Care now with the technology side of things or sales side of things or with platform approval from the uh, health and social care digital settings and stuff. It is finding the right people and supporting them through so that at least over a period of time, you have the confidence to step back yeah. and, and then and then make sure you provide what they need as resources and then let them excel.
0: Do you have an assistant?
1: Hopefully in the next uh, four to six weeks, we we, we would be. Uh, at this point in time, uh, we are focusing on making sure we channelize our resources towards technology and sales okay. side of things. I don't have at this point in time, but soon.
0: They become indispensable, I promise you. Okay. What advice would you give to somebody thinking not... I'm in, I'm a clinician, but I'm interested in stepping into the business world. Like what do you know now that you, what do you know now that you wish you'd known then?
1: Yes. One thing is, it's not the same as a clinician, as a practitioner, you are on the front end. It is you who can deliver treatments or whatever it is. But when you step into the world of business, you are, of course, being instrumental in effecting the change that you want to or or the vision that you want to achieve through your business. But it's, it's making sure that you have the right team around you. Mentors and advisors are so important. Being a professional, you would have sort of learned and empowered with certain organizational skills and stuff, which is crucial. But at the same time, Having the right mentors is is so important to understand the landscape, uh, people around you to guide you to accomplish all these tasks.
0: Do you? So, do you have? How did you get your advisors?
1: Again, uh, it's uh, it it is something that I keep asking myself. You know, how would I know this is the person whom I can approach to be my advisor or to be my mentor for that? I think in in my case, it is more organic. Probably it's a bit cliché if you say that, but yes, in the course of your journey, you end up meeting different people, and at some point, you would know the level of uh, the level of understanding that they have about what what you do and what you need support with. I think that's a good starting point. Anyone who has that level of understanding about you or have the opportunity to share that level of information between both can definitely act as your advisor. And I I draw the advisory support from different people in different instances. You know, not necessarily it's just one person to go to for everything. I would say there is a huge onus on the individual to ensure that you qualify someone to be your advisor, because it is is so important. Do
0: you pay for your advisors or is it it might be one you know like sometimes someone can say just one thing you know like You're like, oh my god thank you and you might not come you know come back to them i don't know in three months six months or do you have like an advisor you meet on a like you've just put in eu funding you're scaling up like do you have coaches and advisors on a regular basis to help help kind of inform your decision making that you pay for
1: um i would say uh, well in in my case in our case yes we do have um well, I I, I I personally have a coach and a mentor. Um, you go to the mentor for certain sort of when you have certain challenges or so, but we regularly meet. Often it's a session where you can offload a lot of uh, uh, your your challenges that you're facing. And by the end of it, you feel like even if you don't get anything from them, but just having that opportunity yeah. helps you to clear your mind, and then maybe sort of uh, move closer towards a solution for that. And also, there is always going to be specialist areas where you can't find someone to be your mentor or uh, you know an advisor who can be part of your journey. So you would have to sort of go to them. It's it's more of a consulting. Uh, so so you go to someone whom you feel you can trust to get some advice regarding certain challenges that you're facing. We do both. We do both. In my case, personally, uh, I was fortunate uh, to have some mentors and advisors through my business school, where where it was very helpful at, at, at Warwick. I was, as, as part of the program, uh, they offered the support and I found it extremely helpful and made sure that, I continuously have uh, those channels to go
0: to. What specifically did you study?
1: Well, um, for, from a physiotherapy perspective, I'd done a bachelor's degree in physiotherapy, and then I went on to specialise in a master's programme in paediatric physiotherapy. And one led to another. And when I wanted to jump on to innovation and the business of healthcare, I want wanted to make sure that I equipped myself with an academic uh, program. So I did my executive MBA at the Warwick, which kind of helped me to uh, have uh, a platform and a network of very skilled people, both professors as well as colleagues. And also I managed to get an opportunity to go to Chicago Booth School of Business. uh, for Wow. Yes, which was a great experience. Amazing. Chicago in itself is is quite multicultural, multi-ethnic, uh, music and everything. But at the same time, uh, the faculty there with a number of uh, uh, Nobel laureates was, was absolutely inspiring.
0: Absolutely inspiring. I was just about to say, was it worth it? Yes, it was worth it. <laughs> lots of people, I suppose it depends. I know lots of people say, I've got an MBA. It's not worth it. Lots of people start and drop out. Even if you do drop out, I'm sure that there there is something you have learned. There's something that you, if you hadn't have done that, it probably wouldn't have led you to where you were in that way. So, I would definitely recommend the program. You don't. I would say to people don't need it, but if you have the opportunity to do it and you give it all you've got, I think it can really takes you to the next level and takes you to the the next level of like critical thinking and challenging yourself and exposes you to different methodologies, different theories. And then you learn, I can take a little bit of that and take a little bit of that and then do it how I want to do it. You don't have to follow it, you know, like verbatim, but some things, you know, like you can try to change it, but you know, like it is what it is (laughs) and you just have to, you you trust it.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. In fact, thank you for bringing up this point because yes, there's always two schools of thought, right? Real world experience, you have to go there and then do it but at the same time i feel if you can use the mba experience as a tool yeah. as a tool which can guide you and also you can uh, use it as a fall back to understand because uh, you may be dealing with various challenges but what i did personally in my program has been hugely helpful in going back to draw upon some of those uh, theories, some of those uh, practices which has been inculcated, uh, frameworks. So, yes, I would say it depends on the individual. It can be a life-changing programme. It can be a life-changing programme. It depends on what you want to get out of it.
0: Did you know what you wanted to get out of it when you started?
1: In this case, I was fortunate enough to have that understanding right from day one okay. in fact it was uh, I wouldn't I wouldn't say meticulously planned but I would say I had a clear objective of what I wanted to get out of the program and why I am doing what I'm doing and that that did help me that did yeah. help me and I was able to see sort of compare with some of my colleagues you know so it it depends on yeah. on your clear objectives
0: I think so for people listening to this that may be in a different situation, my eye kind of come from a perspective where someone said to me, have you ever thought of doing an MBA? And I was like, no, what's one of those? And they said, essentially, you're doing everything in your work. You're do- I, was, I think I was, what was we building um, a nursery in a university or trying to, trying to put the business uh, case together. And someone said to me, you might want to consider doing an MBA. And then, so I was a bit like, I don't think I did, I have... I had, I'd had two children. I might have been pregnant with a third. I was a bit like, yeah, go on then. <laughs> but without doing, the, the MBA led to my business. So if I hadn't have done it, so there was no objective in mind. I just thought it's, I worked at university. It's free. It's an opportunity. I just said yes. And then it opened me up to, I was a bit like, oh my God, I love this stuff. And without the MBA, I wouldn't have done the podcast. It completely changed my It did change my life. That sounds really like I'm going to cry. (laughs) It did. Yeah. It was an, and I like the fact that you say it's an experience. It was a hard experience. I love the lectures. And then I cried in every assignment like, I can't do it. I can't do it. But I absolutely loved it. And I did think I would do it again. And it's just to do it for the, you know, like you actually really skim the surface because you, do your assignments in the areas that, you know, like you choose, but business is not. I did like six assignments. Do you know what I mean? It's like, <laughs> and then, um, and I could do probably the same six subjects and it'd be completely different because now I'm different. The business, I've got the business and that's different. So it's one of those things It could be never ending. And I'm interviewing a guy called Tony Warren, and we talk about PhDs. I think it's, if you like learning it's not about the title and the letters but it is just that that desire to keep trying to work out how can you do it better if you can
1: (laughs) I would say sort of learning keeps you young learning keeps you young and and what a fantastic story that that you you shared about your journey with MBA with a couple of kids it is I have huge respect it's extremely challenging uh, when you have children I kind of managed to complete my MBA uh, just before uh, my first, my boy was, was born. You know, I have a few of my colleagues who have had to manage children at home and all the assignments It's and, and the day job as well. Um, I have so much admiration for uh, yeah. people who are able to do that.
0: It's intense (laughs) and I would say I'm not a very uh, like a emotional person I would cry but I did cry a lot (laughs) during those three years but you get to the point where you come so far because we all said we're going to quit don't care about we all said we don't care about the grade we don't care about the grades no one's going to ask you what you got and I'm like but I got a distinction because the grade I didn't just want to pass like (laughs) I'm not doing all this work just to like you know, like chuck myself over the finish line. I want to skip over.
1: Exactly. It's the same case with me as well. You're right. You know, if you're going to do it, you yeah. might as well go all in and, yes. then, and then show what what you have achieved through this journey. And just uh, one more point on that. You asked me, how are you managing your, uh, you know, being a practitioner as well as a founder and yeah. running a company and, and stuff. And a
0: dad, are yeah. It- yeah.
1: Yes. Yes. <laughs> um, I think, um, as you said, scratch the surface through MBA, right? One of the key outcomes that uh, through MBA or or what do you want to achieve out of that is how organized and how targeted and focused you are. So all the efforts that you put in, you make sure that you put it at the right time so that you don't over-engineer sometimes if you don't need to you have to conserve your energy. I think I think that's a key thing, both for running a business as well as for an executive or any other MBA program where you have to conserve your energy throughout the program for various assignments and sessions. I'm sure you would agree with that.
0: Yeah, and I'm just, it's all kind of coming flooding back to me, but I suppose, and you kind of forget you, I suppose I've, depends what sort of person, you kind of learn the hard way because it's a bit like, okay, this is really stressful. I'll start doing this a little bit earlier. Like I'll take better notes and you create your own systems and you do have to say no. And I'll never forget, we used to have a shed in the bottom of the garden, which was like, it was called the, it was the office, but it really was like a posh garden shed. And I'll never forget, I'd have to say to my husband, you have the kids. I'd put the blinds down because the kids would keep running up to me going, saying, mummy, mummy, when you finish, when you finish, I did say to them, don't ask me when I'm finished. Like when you see me. <laughs> i finished and you have to be so strict but one thing I did um they said at the beginning really make sure you've got the buy-in from your partner and I did and that actually is really really important because it's it's so time consuming because even when you're not doing the assignment you're boring your partner silly <laughs> like my husband did a lot of proofreading for me it does take over Um, a big part not your entire life but a big part of your life but you it's like saying no to friends saying no to family saying no to your kids saying no to your husband or your wife because it's like you just don't want to get to the end of it and feel like I wish I'd done better I don't I really think you would uh, you'd kick yourself
1: absolutely absolutely it makes you become more disciplined that's where I have to say your podcast the business of healthcare. You know, I think you have to at least spend a couple of minutes explaining in the objective. And then why, why did you come out with doing a podcast on this particular topic?
0: So thank you for that. Um, I'll plug my own podcast. (laughs) So So it started when I did my dissertation. I asked GPs their perception of the five year forward view. That was kind of I wanted to understand what they these policy documents all I would read is all these policy documents do they mean anything all running around like do they mean anything and during that conversation I don't know what happened but I started to ask people do you think of your organization so I was talking to GPs as a business and they all said no and I just feel that's really interesting that at the time, if I want to cut and in my job, like if I want you to come to a meeting, I've got paid by the hour, like because your time is valuable, your time is money. If you're not seeing your patients, you have to pay somebody else to see them. So I just, so that kind of that was I just found that really interesting. They all were, you know, GPs call themselves partners, but they don't call them business owners. Yesterday, I was with a group of female business owners that run a practice. And they wouldn't say they run a business. I'd say, look, it's your business. And they would all kind of go, mm, no, but we're, we're just partners. <laughs> I just, I don't know why I just think that. So that kind of sparked my interest. And because I really like business, if I want to learn about Virgin, if I want to learn about Apple, if I want to learn about Google, I'll just go to the, I can just buy a book. I can listen to a podcast. At the time, and that has changed now, it's like, where do you go? I want to be I used to say, I want to be a healthcare CEO. Didn't really understand what that meant at the time. And it was a bit like, well, how do I get into that? How do I get into a healthcare organisation? What does it mean to be a CEO? What happens in, how do you become a partner? Like all of this stuff. And I just thought, I can't find it. And I did subscribe to the health, uh, the HSJ. No one's been on the podcast, so I can say this now. Like it's quite dry. <laughs> <Like> it's, <laughs> and it doesn't tell me. behind the scenes he just says this is amazing or this is crap you know like this is the problem so I just thought I'll just I'll create it myself but I did sit on it for a long time because I just thought who am I I'm not a healthcare CEO at the time I've got my own business now but I didn't think I could because I didn't think you know like I had the authority because I'm not you know the ceo of a hospital and then i just felt oh sod it if nobody listens nobody no one will know it doesn't matter and so that's why i created it but it is for if you're not in the field how do you learn about it and how do you learn from other people that you just don't you don't know
1: no, you're absolutely right i think you're you're extremely brave uh, in, in 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 jumping on to doing this which 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 i totally appreciate this is fantastic. This is fantastic. I think what you said there is how do you know you are the one to do this?
0: You, you don't, I suppose it's the same question I asked you, you, isn't it? You 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 don't, you just, I don't like it when people ask me questions. Well, <laughs> right? yeah, I suppose I just thought, just what, why, like, why not? And if nobody listens, it doesn't matter. And It's something that I just love, you know, I absolutely love doing. It's such a privilege to, I would never meet the people that I meet if I didn't have the podcast. It makes me better at my job, makes me, and then it makes it better for my clients because I'm coming from a more informed It makes you a better communicator, but it is just like, why not? I'm one of these people. I sit on an idea for a long time. Like I had in, I knew what the music was going to be like. I knew what the tile was going to be like. I, I I visualized it for a long, long time, and then I just thought, right, just do it. And then yeah, it's luckily so far. I'm like knocking my head. Um, yeah, so far so good. I really enjoy it, but it is just, I think it's not a responsibility but it's it's nice when people share their stories and you we started with your business and all the interviews start like that what do you do what led you here but the most interesting bit is you and that's what our listeners like to hear if they just want to hear about the business they can go to other sources but the business of healthcare is about what is behind, who is the founder, what makes them tick, what have they done? Did they like the MBA? How did you do it? You're a dad. Like It's just the stuff that's generic that we all really like. Yes,
1: I think there's a story behind each and every individual, right? Yeah. And knowing those stories would be extremely inspiring because each and every one has got something to offer to another person or to a group of people. I strongly believe in that. Yeah. My my source of inspiration has been seeing these parents of children with disabilities, how they manage, what they do, and the children themselves, you know. You would see them, oh, you know, they're not able to walk, they're on the wheelchair and stuff. They walk into the the sorry, they they come into the clinic and then they smile, they laugh, they crack jokes at you. They see the world differently to how you see the world and how you see them in this world. Yeah. So this has been inspiring for me. I think I was very fortunate enough to start working with these children at a very early age, at a very early stage of my career. And I've never looked back. And I have to say it shaped my personality, my thinking, the way I see the world. I think that's, you know, again, going back to the point of individual, yes, each and every person has a story and they have something to give to others.
0: And it's the story that makes, it's that connection, isn't it? So we can all say, we, we could all have enriched My Care, but when you hear in a podcast or you see in a video, it's stronger than just text, you know, like you can write it, but there is something around audio where how would people know that about you if people like me didn't ask you? Because we don't go around just going, I, I, this is my passion and this is where it started. You kind of need some, you need to kind of, you know, you shouldn't, but well, I think it's nice to be invited to share that.
1: Absolutely, yes, absolutely, yes. And also I have to say in healthcare, we are not so good at that we are not so good at selling per se, um, which we need to get, but, but saying that every single day we are selling. As a practitioner, I am selling my uh, ideas and why I expect my patients, the families to follow what I say, um, right? So again, these kind of candid discussions help to bring all those things out, mm-hmm. which is wonderful
0: thank you so much for joining me i really appreciate it
1: it's my pleasure thank you for inviting me for your podcast
0: and if people are interested in enrich my care or they want to connect with you on social media where is the best place to find you
1: you can reach out to me linkedin look for saran matthaya s-a-r-a-n-m-u-t-h-i-a-h or you can look at our website uh, www.enrichmycare.com single word
0: thank you newsletter in the show notes. And I will see you in the next episode.